15 uh, to 16. You can find that in your Pew Bible on page 948, page 948, as we continue our, our series through Romans and this very practical section here to the end of, of the book. The Friday before last, the 6th, the elders, deacons, and staff gathered for the start of a very important two days of meetings. Friday night was dedicated to evaluating all of the appreciative inquiry interviews we've been conducting over the past number of weeks. These were interviews of you, church, to determine uh, where we're to go next. These were interviews about uh, your best experiences at Nielsville, what we do best, who we are at our best, and your hopes and your prayers and your priorities for the future. I plan for us to prayerfully discern the, the, the key themes that emerge from those interviews, thinking that God speaks through his people and that the Spirit moves through his people so that we could find out what God is already doing here in and through us and then to see where the Lord is leading us next. That was Friday night and then Saturday morning the elders met to define our top priorities. This congregation-wide discernment process started way back in December and a lot is riding on its outcome. Three and a half years in as your senior pastor, I believe this is a defining moment for our church. This is like a hinge on a door. I believe God's opening a door to Nielsville, and we need to have the conviction to step through and forward where he is leading us. And so I try to think of everything to make sure that the evening and the morning went smoothly. I try to think of everything. First off, Make sure there's good food. Good, amen, I hear that from the front row. Good food leads to good spiritual discernment. Look it up. It's in First Opinions chapter 1. Anyway, I ordered terrific dinner from Caraba's Italian Grill. Who, who, could, who, could, who could have a problem with Italian? If you've got a problem with Italian food, then the door's right there. I mean, come on. Caravas, who could argue with that? The food was supposed to be ready at 6.30. By my calculation, it takes uh, maybe 30 minutes to walk here to Caravas. So I think driving would be no problem. Dinner was at 7. Everything would be right. But they got the order wrong, and I had to wait an extra half an hour. And and I began to, to panic Now, those of you that know me know that I like to be on time. And for me, being on time is being a little bit early, and panic started to to creep in. There was a schedule, and and the elders and deacons and the staff, their time is is precious. Time is at a premium throughout uh, this region, certainly. And and I started to grow impatient. I'm standing there, I'm standing there, I'm getting frustrated. I'm wearing my Nielsville polo shirt, so I have to really kind of Hold it together. It's like if you had a fish on the back of your car, you don't want to run that red light. Like, okay, I'm just hold it together. Lord, help me to be patient. 
And the Lord answered that prayer, but, but in an indirect way. I, I didn't have a, a peace that passes o- understanding overwhelm me at that moment. But you know what the Lord did? This is great. Right at that moment, as I'm waiting for the food, the Coombe family, one of the families in Nielsville, the whole family walks in. Uh, uh, Timothy and Glory and the girls, they just walk right in because they're heading out for their Friday night dinner. And the girls came over and they gave me a big hug and it, it just recalibrated everything for me. Why I was standing there waiting for food, it's not about the food or the meeting, it's about families like this family. And then the food came magically. Time seemed to not really matter at that point. Uh, the food did come, and I started to load the car. And I'm kind of, the panic is starting to set in again because I'm looking at my watch, and it's getting closer and closer to 7 o'clock. And a, a small car, like a, a Toyota a CRV, pulls up, and the back window rolls down. And there's a little boy, maybe 9 years old. I, I do not know this child, not, not a kid from Nielsville. And he calls out, Pastor Pete, Pastor Pete. And I spin around, and he says, I can't wait till VBS. <sighs> Not Camp Sunshine. That, that'll come. I'm sure he'll, I think he might have said Camp Sunshine. No, I think it was VBS. Smile like this, his mom's smiling. It's exactly what, what I needed in that moment. And when I arrived in the Welcome Center, Everybody was in a good mood. It wasn't a problem at all that the food was late. We had a spirit-filled, united, super positive meeting that set clear priorities for the church, defined by you and the Holy Spirit. A success, right? I could sleep easy, right? Not exactly. Because the other issue I have is that I can't turn my brain off at night. And so I just kept thinking about everything that was said and what happened and how well it went, but also how important Saturday morning was going to be with the elders. I couldn't sleep. I was keyed up. I probably got a total of four hours of sleep. The next day, the the elders uh, met, and we defined the top priorities for the church, which are grow the youth ministry, hold to our Christ-centered, Bible-based convictions, care for our fellowship, care for one another as a, as a church family. It was a key theme that came up. And reach out through our mission work by spreading the gospel through evangelism and, and service right here in Germantown in particular, meeting real needs here in Germantown. Pretty straightforward, right? Pretty obvious priorities but easier said than done. I left the meeting early. I left at about 11.30 to pick Jonathan up for uh, his first uh, Boy Scout or, or Cub Scout uh, camp out up the road. It was perfect to be able to clear my mind and focus all my attention on Jonathan and the other Weeblos. It's easy for a parent to focus their mind when a bunch of 10-year-olds are running around with pocket knives and fire and sticks that they're sharpening. So you can, you kind of focus and it sort of like Lord of the Flies out there. We're only there for less than 24 hours. I don't know how these boys came up with uh, tribal names and everything. It got a little crazy. 
But as I laid down in, in our tent to get a restful night's sleep and put my head back on the rocks, uh, I did not sleep again. I, amazing, isn't that amazing? I did not sleep a whole nother night. I, I just kept thinking about this mission, our mission. I just kept working it over in my mind. Lord saying, it, it, it's, I'm saying it's clear, but it's expensive. It, it, it makes practical sense, Lord, but it's going to be hard. It's going to help a lot of people, but it's also going to upset people. And, and, and how are we going to do this, Lord? Camp ended early, and so we zipped home, and I showered, and I made it back by 11 a.m. to worship with you on Pentecost Sunday. I was sitting right back there, right back where Brian Shute is. There, there. Wave, Brian. There you go. Right back somewhere out there. And the Lord grabbed hold of my heart during our worship together, church. The Holy Spirit did something inside of me with you. That's so clear. And he said it. He, he said it from this pulpit. He said the directions are so practical. But he said the problem is that they are practical. That they're so easy to understand there's no excuse not for following them. And what struck me was the challenge is our motives get mixed up. And we want some things more than we want God's will. And that starts with me. God name that. The Spirit needs to work in my heart and the life of this church. And I was, I was preparing for this morning's uh, sermon and you've got your book open. You're like, when's he going to get to Romans? Hold it. Exodus chapter 33, verse 15 and 16. This is Moses and the Lord. Moses given an impossible mission. He says, Moses said to the Lord, If your presence does not go with us, do not send us up from here. How will anyone know that you are pleased with me and with your people unless you go with us? What else will distinguish me and your people from all the other people on the face of the earth? What God is calling us to do is clear and it's practical, but it cannot be accomplished, none of it, without the Holy Spirit leading us. We, we might as well just pack up and, and head home or head to the beach if the Spirit of God is not leading us. But what was confirmed for me when I was sitting in that pew is that he is with us. God wants us, he wants you to be distinct. And for our community as a church to be marked out as a true Christian community and church and mission fellowship and worshiping congregation and equipping center healing community. He wants us to be distinct. What does it mean to be distinct? Well, what are the marks of a true Christian? Andy covered many of them last week. Let's look at the text. Verse 9, it starts with genuine love. Honest, sincere, agape love. 
That's the word, agape. Agape is love which is, is of God and from God. Everything God does flows from his love, displayed most clearly at the cross. When Christ died for unworthy, unloving, unlovely, dead in their trespasses people, God lavished his agape love on you and on me. And our simple, practical mark is that we love with God's love. Dietrich Bonhoeffer put it this way, the church is the church only when it exists for others. The essence of agape love, the the will of God for for all of us together, is self-sacrifice. So agape love, the distinguishing mark of Christian love is sacrifice. So last week we looked at verses 9 to 13 uh, and verse 9 starting out with this idea of this sacrificial love, the marks of the true Christian love. And just to review from what Pastor Andy said, he said, this love is the real deal. It's my, my interpretation. It's the real deal. It's discerning. It's affectionate brotherly, sisterly love. It's honoring. It's on fire. It's patient. Need to work on that one. It's generous. It's, it's hospitable. Open, opens your home. And then we come to today's text, verses 14 to 16. And here the Apostle Paul, relying on the Holy Spirit, uh, relying on the oral tradition of Jesus' Sermon on the Mount, says this, Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse. Verse 15. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Weep with those who weep. Live in harmony with one another. Do not be haughty, but associate with the lowly. Never be wise in your own sight. So four points. Paul's talking here about how we relate to one another to our friends and our enemies as well. That's where he starts. His first point, our first point is this. He says when sincere agape love is is active in us, we respond positively to those who are against us, who give us the most pain and grief when we're trying to live a godly life. Think of that person who's giving you the most grief at work. God says you're to love that person in this way. We're to bless them and not curse them. The reality is most of us and most of our churches in our region and on our shores have not experienced the serious kinds of persecution, political or cultural or otherwise, that have happened and are happening to the church around the globe. I'm thankful that Nielsville supports as one of our mission partners, Advocates International. We received their newsletter at home. And it's heartbreaking to hear of Christians around the globe that are being deeply, deeply, painfully persecuted for their faith. And Advocates International are Christian uh, attorneys and lawyers uh, all around the globe that try to intercede uh, for justice to seek justice for those that are being persecuted. Let's pray for them today. Let's pray also for Voice of Martyrs, a ministry for those that are dying 
literally giving their lives because they will not recant. They will not give up their belief in Jesus. But various persecutions and mudslinging and social ostracism and far worse may come to us and may come sooner than we think. And so we must be prepared. And this text says we are called to bless people who pursue us. That's literally what persecution means. It means to be pursued. We're to bless those who pursue us, to harm us, or to wish us ill. We're to pray for their forgiveness. We're to pray that God would change their hearts. So that person that you're thinking of right now, who's a pain in your side, pray, Lord, I I don't know what you are doing in this, but I know you are in control. I pray that you would intercede on my behalf in this person's life. I pray, Lord, that this individual or this group would know you and trust Jesus the way I do. That's our response. Number two, the second distinguishing mark of a Christian, it says, quote, Rejoice with those who rejoice. Weep with those who weep. Which do you think is harder? To rejoice with those who are rejoicing or to weep with those who are weeping? Some say it's harder to rejoice with those who are rejoicing. The the thinking goes like this. Uh, Your neighbor gets some incredibly great news and you might find it hard to rejoice and celebrate with them because you might have envious thoughts towards their happiness. I'm sure that's true, but in my opinion, for me, in my experience, and this is just my opinion, I think it's far harder to apply what the Bible is saying here, the principle of weeping with those who weep, being brokenhearted for the broken. 1 Corinthians 12, 26 says, If one member of the body, that is the church, if one member of the church suffers, all suffer together. And if one member is honored, all rejoice together. I think it's much easier to celebrate and go to a party than it is to cry at a funeral. And and, and not just uh, to go and, and, and to pay your respects, but to share in the sufferings of others. But at our best, Nielsville, what, what we dis- discern from our process, at our best, Nielsville is a community that cares. Story after story, insight after insight of, of the care and concern that happens in our church. When a brother or sister at church smashes into sorrow and grief, the first thing they need is someone who feels their pain and shares in their suffering with agape love. When his friend Lazarus died, John 11, it says that Jesus cried with his sisters, Mary and Martha. Now why didn't, why didn't he say right off the bat, hey, don't cry, ladies, hold together. Give me a few minutes and Lazarus will be back good as new. Why didn't he just say that? Because at that exact moment, what they needed was someone to cry with them. And so Jesus cried. And Jesus was crying with them because, look at our text from last week uh, in verse 9, because he abhors what is evil 
And sin that leads to death is evil. And so his heart was broken for them and for the state of affairs in the world. So Jesus cried. Then he performed the miracle that turned their sorrow into joy. Friends, we've got to feel what others are feeling in our church. And that starts with knowing one another. We are not so big a church that we can't know one another. This summer we have one worship service at 10 a.m. Get to know the people that you sit around. You can know them and care for one another deeply by taking the time to invest in one another. And if you have a friend who hurts, the greatest gift that you can give to them is to sorrow with them. Comfort is not a pep talk. It is not nudging them, saying, hang in there. It is not trying to explain why bad things happen. That's what Job's friends did. They were doing fine before they opened their mouths. Comfort isn't saying, well, God's in control. Those things might be helpful later on, but they don't deliver what people need most, which is comfort. They need your comfort. People walloped by hurt find comfort when they know they are not suffering alone. So when a friend is slammed by sorrow or grief, and I'm talking specifically about our church fellowship, we need to feel it, to have agape, sacrificial love toward them. So there are people dealing with great, massive pain, and depression, and anxiety, and they are silent, and they're sitting right beside you. We need to care for one another. Number three, we're to live in harmony with one another. The Greek literally says, think the same things towards one another. It doesn't say think the same things. It doesn't say, you know, have all the same uh, thoughts about everything. That would be kind of weird if we all thought the same thing. But it says, Think the same things toward one another. It kind of reflects uh, the passage earlier where it says to outdo one another uh, with honor. We, we've got to be on the same page. We need to align our ministries and mission and priorities as a people. That's what this whole discernment process has been about. And so we say as a people, reaching our youth is our top priority. So let's make that an urgent priority together. And we say as a people, being mature disciples and making disciples is our top priority. It's our, it's our core value as a church. So let's make discipleship and connecting in growth groups a priority together. Think of how much happier we would be as a church, how, how much happier every church would be if they worked together and aligned with one another in this form of harmony. Listen to this. How are we doing? Oh, we're fine. Listen to this. Andy already left because he's leaving for Detroit. His family wanted to take him out to lunch, so he's on his way. God bless him. But I still got you for a few minutes. Acts chapter 2. This is amazing. It says, The fellowship of believers devoted themselves to the apostles' teachings and the fellowship to breaking of bread and praying together. That they were, see, they were in awe seeing the signs 
and wonders the Holy Spirit had done through the apostles. And all who believed were together and they had all things in common. It says they sold their possessions. They were saying, what's mine is yours and what's yours is mine. They were saying, hey, if if something happens to me, I know you're going to take care of, of, of my wife and my children. If something happens to you, you can trust me. I will be there for you. I'm not just going to send you a card. We're going to be there for one another. That's my interpretation of what, what they're saying here. And the Bible says they had, quote, glad and generous hearts. And day by day, the Lord added to their number people who were being saved. Man, I want that. Don't you want that? Like what, all that? It would be great. By the Spirit of God, it can happen. And all these marks of a true Christian can be reflected in the life of Nielsville Presbyterian Church. And they are being reflected yet dimly. We want the Lord to turn up the volume. And the final one for today, how is this going to happen? It says, do not be haughty. Uh, That's another way of saying, don't be arrogantly superior. Like saying, well, I know what, everyone knows what haughty means. Uh, Do not be arrogantly superior, but associate with the lowly. Never be wise in your own sight. In other words, don't think anybody or any job in the church is beneath you. Be humble. What was different about these first Christ followers? Did they have a lot of money saved up in the bank? Did they have facilities or staff or building? Nope. They didn't have any of that, but they had what mattered most. They were spirit-led. They were a family. They had these marks of genuine discipleship. And above all, they were humble and sacrificial. They said, we know a man who was nailed to a cross, and then they buried him, but he came back from the dead. And he came back and said, I am the Savior of the world. Trust in me, follow me, and go out and make other people my disciples. And so that's what they did. And the people around them said, you're crazy. They said, why are you doing all this crazy stuff? They said, why are you hanging out with those low-life scum? And the disciples said, they are not low-life. These are our brothers and our sisters. And the people said, well, why are you doing this menial job? And they said, what my job lacks in prestige, it makes up for in the fact that I get to serve my brothers and my sisters. And more than that, I get to serve my Lord and Savior. It makes sense that the churches Paul was planting looked like this. That they were practically practicing agape, God, sacrificial, radically committed, transcendent mission kind of love. It makes sense. What would not make sense would be that they say that they saw a man rise from the grave who said, go and make disciples. I have given you my spirit. I have given you clear instructions. Go, grow, hold fast, care, and spread my gospel. 
And so they met once a week. A little bit less during the summer months. And their leaders had to, to plead with them to put the gospel first and to hold to God's priority and to love one another. It, that wouldn't make sense. The people would look at that community and say, you didn't see someone come back from the dead. As your pastor, and the Bible says this very clearly, I will be the one held to account. And one day I will stand before the Lord and give an account of the priorities that he set. And, and I will have to say, Lord, I know that you gave us these priorities, but they were really hard. And they've never been done. Sacrificial love is more than a feeling. It's a determined act of the will. It's a joyful resolve to put the welfare of others above our own. And it is realized when we walk by the Spirit of God working in us. What a comprehensive picture of Christian relationships Paul gives us here. Love is sincere, discerning, affectionate, respectful. It's enthusiastic and patient. Generous, it opens their one's homes, benevolent and sympathetic, and it is marked by harmony and humility. And these are just some of the marks of a true Christian church. And we would be much happier, a much more flourishing church, if we lived into this reality and loved one another like this. The question is, what personally motivates you? What are you willing to sacrifice for another? What are you living for? I want the best for us together, and I believe with all my heart, this scripture is speaking to what is best for us together. Let's read it and pray that the Holy Spirit works within us to make it clear. If we abide in Christ, we will bear much fruit. Apart from him, we can do nothing. Amen? Amen. I invite you to take your hymnal and stand with me. Open to hymn number 372.